Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Yeah, whatever, Harley. Uh, do whatever you want to do. Um, Guys, here's what we're talking about today. <laughs> we're talking about the Trans Andes Challenge I went and did down in uh, Pucón, Chile. Uh, and the reason we're talking about it now, it all is coming to clearer focus now. Um, I texted Harley last week. I said, hey, we need we need to record. He goes, yeah, absolutely. I said, what do you want to talk about? And he goes, well, Trans Andes, of course. And We're tardy uh, on it, to say yeah, the least. Well, we are. And I was like, well... I don't know because in my mind I had I had kind of packaged that whole experience, bundled it, and then presented it, and kind of left the stage because I wrote my race my whole blog on it, mm-hmm. and um, it was a pretty verbose blog because it was five days worth of racing. So uh, I didn't go into like the race specifics. You know, I tried to keep a an attitude where anyone could read it, right? No matter whether you are or not a bike racer, and. And so I felt, and, and to be honest with you, not to toot a horn here, but I felt like I did a, a pretty decent job and I got some pretty pleasant feedback from people. And so when you said Trans Andes, I was like, oh, I kind of like already did the sharing on that thing. You downloaded it. it right. It, it, out of my brain. And right. then now about 18 seconds before you hit record, I found out you didn't read it. So... Let's, allow folks, my, let's pay attention to how he tries to draw this one. No, no, no. There's, there's no, like, <laughs> I'm not on my heels here. This is real life. Like, there's two ways that I approach some of the content that you produce under the dawn to dusk umbrella. Mm-hmm. And that is, one, I talk to you every day. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're out of the country. No, yeah, that's absolutely. And so I kind of get to experience a lot of the stuff in real time as a friend. Right. But then I also want to be able to come into this space without a real preconceived notion of how we're going to approach the content for this space. So you didn't read that blog. I didn't be read genuine the... to no ride around for the integrity of what we are doing. No, here. I didn't read that blog cause I'm lazy, but right now <laughs> I just figured out that that's why I didn't do it. Okay. <laughs> and that actually, that actually is pretty fair. Um, because I, the reason I asked you that and, uh, just like you guys know, I asked him right before we started. I go, hey, did you read that? And, and he looked at me, and he actually didn't even hesitate. He just said no, much like he said, like, I have a 20-ounce coffee in front of me. He looked <laughs> at me and said no. But that does make sense because if you had read it, I was like, oh, well, then maybe you dig a little bit into the stuff I didn't hit or something. So, um, Well, and, you know, I, I between – I mean, you were the poster child for that. On their social media, oh, dude, it, was, it was the Justin show. Oh, I know. Uh, Lo Sweeney, she's this. She's your friend. Yeah. She's a s- super stud, dude. And yeah. Down in Durango, her and Joe. And uh, and she he, during the whole thing, they kept highlighting these photos. And, yeah. and I, yeah, they would do photos of mine quite a bit. And I was like, look, after a couple of days, she goes, this is just bullshit. Like, you're just, you're the poster child for the race event. And I go, I mean, I'm like a 40-year-old white dude. I'm, I'm the dude to sell to yeah. for more forty-year-old yeah. white yeah. dudes to come down here. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're a marketer. Like a, if you're in a, a non-white country and you want dudes who ride mountain bikes to come spend money there, yeah, put Justin on the video. Yeah, right. And so I just it started chuckling, but um, it kind of continued through the five days, and then 
now that some of the more material has come out and you can register for next year. And it's just, you were front and center, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> she low sends me this message. She goes, she goes, poster child. Again, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I just started laughing. It's funny. So I do kind of want to, I, I think we touch, well, one, we, we talk so much about my development, mm-hmm. especially over the last, say, 16 months, right? Um, that you've mentioned it and we've talked about it, but I, you know, and I think people would say, oh, he's a national champion. He's he done, he done did developed. Right. Um, but like this, this season for you is a journey of development. Oh man, this right? season. Yeah. And it is, uh, it's tough. So you're pivoting away from purely singles, not to say you won't race your single speed. Right. It's not the focus. You're racing geared, racing in the elite category and stage racing. Stage racing, yeah. Um, it is – so it's it's funny. You know, I got into single speed racing because a buddy of mine wanted to qualify for Leadville. So we go down to Austin in 2018, do the Austin Rattler, and I happened to get a coin. And I had already had my Leadville goals, and I was like, well, you know, um, I don't know. If I'm going to do it again, I might as well do something unique. So I'll go single speed. And at that point, I had never – I mean, I had a single speed. I commuted like a big shot bike. I ride around town. Um, and I had been doing that for a few years, but that was kind of how I decided to do it. I was like, oh, it's a completely unknown thing. And stage racing had came on the radar for what this year was going to be for me in a similar way that that single speed did. And I did LaRuda, right? I did LaRuda because my uncle always said, dude, LaRuda is the coolest thing. I've always yeah. wanted to do it. It's his bucket list. So I'm like, I'm going to go do his bucket list. Right. And... The first year I did LaRuda, I was like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. And then the second time I did LaRuda, I'm like, wow, I'm like really, really, I was top 10 this thing. Like, I'm actually really good at this. And so that's what I thought stage racing was. And so I thought, well, I, I think it could be successful at this because one of the things that makes me a good single speed racer is durability um, and, and like toughness. And one of the things that made me good at LaRuda was the same thing, durability and toughness. Um. I've, I'm learning that I wasn't 100% accurate with <laughs> what I thought it was going to be. Um, not all stage races are gigantic days through a jungle, gigantic days through a volcano, and then a quick hammer fest. Right. I'm now learning that stage racing actually is probably more similar to the ability to do XC style racing or XCO distance like, racing. XCO, like two and a half, under, right. sub three hour efforts. Sub three hour efforts but just able to do three, four, five, or seven of them in a row. Right. And, wow, I've really found out that none of my training has been like that in my, like, what I call legitimate cycling career. Right. So I'm on, it's it's development for sure. Right. Um, there's a ton of stage races all over the world. There's a lot of really good ones in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I know that you signed signed up for Trans Alps yep. in July. Yep. How did Trans Andes like? What put that one on the radar? Actually, Trans Andes was the first one. Um, was, oh, that was with you and Amir. Yeah, Amir okay. and I were at. That's uh, right. So you know, did Laruda, and then on the heels of the single speed success, I got to go to Panama, and then I won that race, and I got invited to the Guerrero Guan last year in Colombia, and that was a stage race. We talked about that. Uh, 
I did pretty well there too. Like I was on the podium in the elite field. I got third place in that thing. And I was like, wow, this is sweet. And uh, so that was what built some of the confidence with it. And, you know, there's a website you can go to like stage races. You just Google search cool stage races worldwide. And, you know, there's a specific website that has like all of them on there. Mm. And so that's what we had gotten to. And Amir had brought up like, oh, I've always wanted to do the Trans Andes. And I'm like, let's go. So we signed up sight unseen. <laughs> Like a year before, yeah. And, but that's I do what happens. Remember, yeah. yeah, and that's what happens when you're at these international destinations. Like, because the idea of being international and racing your bike is daunting. Like, it's a, you experienced it yeah. last year, right? Like, yeah. it's this massive. It's the Titanic in bike racing, right? Yeah. And then, but then one, you do it. You do it, and you're like, well, it's not actually that big of a deal. And it's a lot. Yeah, but it's like you did it, right? Yeah. And so. When you're out there doing it, you go, oh, I guess it's not that impossible. What else could I do? Right. And so I find myself signing up for more stuff when I'm out doing stuff right. than just like at home. Mm-hmm. And that's how Transandies happened. And then Transalps happened because doesn't that just sound like they match? Yeah. Right? Like if you're going to do the Transandies, you might as well do the Transalps. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of how the year started to develop. But the undercurrent, and I think what you were poking at a bit was – I've had a very successful three-year run on the single speed. I mean, I won everything. Mm-hmm. I went, my points, my allocated points for the NUE in three years were all ones, like undefeated right. titles. And the way uh, that that works is you drop your worst one, but your worst one was still a one. Right. Yeah. So I've won, you know, so there's like 13 or 14 victories within the NUE, um, the national championship, state championship, like – it just GoPro games, you know, it's just like, yeah. it was just the hit list was there. And by no means do I think I'm unbeatable, right? Like right. a few weekends ago, we had the bear here in Colorado and Tony went out and tore that course apart. I know for a fact on the single speed, I'm not ever beating Tony at the bear course. I'm going to beat him at GoPro games, Somewhere I'm going to beat else, him at but... the, the growler, but I'm <laughs> right. not going to, I'm not beating him at the bear. And so I'm not saying I'm un- unbeatable, but I was just looking for something new something to wet the whistle something to be like well what you know let me get my ass kicked a little bit and uh and figure out where i can grow right and so that's what the year was about and i knew coming into it that like shoot the last race i was at i lined up against cole Patton. right right like come on dude like yeah there's a lot of fact i mean yeah i might be kind of fast but i'm not like yeah well anywhere close to that yeah i got 20 first i think at moab rocks right right like right so that was that was i was blown away um, Dude, the field was stacked, and that I just didn't realize that that was the case with that race. Well, it's because um, a couple of those dudes got together, like Kabush and um, Devoust, and they built this single track series. So there's four events. Got it. And so you got Moab Rocks, you've got GJ Rides and Vibes. Yep. Um, you've got the single track six up in Canada. And then there's uh, there's like one or two other in there that I'm spacing, but they're all part of the same. And they're series. all part of this like idea of the single track series. Got it. Which is who's the baddest, badass, badass single single track mountain, racer, like mountain, mountain biker. biker. And so yeah, it's got hitters, dude. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding a little like overconfident, I feel like if. 10 no ride around team members go to an event. There's good shots of podiums. And then Moab Rocks happen, and it's just like, yeah, we were good as a team, but there was some 
there's some yeah. big guns out right. there, right? Yeah. No, I mean, when you're talking about the best in the country, yeah. you're talking about the best in the country, you know? And, yeah. and that's what's hard about the sport, which makes the conversation about who's the best really tough because there are so many different events, yeah. right? And so that's why nationals is such a big thing because you go, yeah, there's all these events, but nationals is nationals, right? right? It's that day, it's um, that race. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, so, it's, so it's tough. So the thing is, this sport offers so many opportunities, right? You could be an XC racer, you could be an endurance racer, you can be a stage racer, you can be yep. a 24-hour guy, you can be 12-hour guy. Like, there's all these different, like, character profiles you can create for yourself. Right. And I created mine. You know, I was endurance single-speed guy. And then I proved, like, uh, I think it was two years ago, you know, I won, uh, I won the GoPro games, and six days later I won – um, the lumberjack 100. So a hundred mile race after a 13 mile race or whatever. So like, right. I was trying to br- say, okay, like in universally, can I say I'm pretty good at this thing? Yeah. Um, and so now I've batched settled and moved on and said, well, what's the next thing that I can try to really get to be good at? And it's really hard and the training's really hard and it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's hard. The motivation's different. So when I'm sitting at the start line and I'm sitting 15th overall, you know, it's like, what am I fighting for? You know, during right. the Trans Andes, we'll get into it, but at a point, at a point I was fighting to get my name on the front sheet of results, such an arbitrary goal because the way that the results populated on their website, it was 15 riders like per page, Right. you know, there's like 10 pages or right. 15 pages or something, 20 pages. And I was like, well, I just want to get on the first page. That that became like my ultimately became my goal. And I think I was fourth in the elite field, but I wanted to be on the front page. Right. So it's finding these things to keep me keep me hungry when it's not a foregone conclusion. I'm just gonna go out and kick everyone's ass. Right. Um Well, and you you've got this kind of weird dynamic happening in the mountain bike. So road, I love road racing, but it's very steeped in tradition, whether that tradition is spot on or not. And so I think uh, there's a lot of preconceived notions that come over just to cycling in general. And so, and even I held on to them a little bit. It's like when we first started interacting with Brian Elander, it's like, well, he shouldn't be able to do what he does at his age from an endurance perspective. And you've got, it used to be that, the older racers had the edge because they could, they were durable. They had, yeah. and now, you know, getting into UCI world cup XCO for those racers who, you know, go hard in the paint for an hour and a half, seven times a year. And that's their schedule full stop. Um, that won't say it's an unattainable goal, but like, it's a much more attainable goal as a privateer racer to carve out a niche in endurance racing. And so now you've got racers who are in their early twenties coming in and suddenly just being like, yeah, who cares if I'm not supposed to be good at, at, at stage racing, multi-day racing, hundred mile racing. That's where the opportunities are. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so the field's that much bigger in, in the, I think, I think the one thing that's probably in your brain but not being said is the margin of error on like an XCO format or yeah. even an XC, the margin of error is so small. Yeah. The margin of error on an endurance race is so much wider. You know, you still can't yeah. make a ton of mistakes. And I mean, I had races, I had 100 mile races two years ago finish within 
75 seconds first and second place, right? right. Like tight. Yeah. Um, actually, matter of fact, Cole won Moab Rocks stage race, but his total time delta, total over the over, and it was only just two stages because they had a neutralized day one, but uh, the total was under a second. So it still comes That's down. Wild. It's yeah. insane, dude. Yeah. It still comes down to. But when you have the top 10 guys are all elite level, like. There's going to be, gonna be that way, small right? Margin. But yeah. within endurance, like you can have stuff happen. Yeah. You know, like you care, put it this way you carry a repair kit. Yep. Right. On an XC race, you don't carry a repair kit. No. It's like a cyclocross race. Like you're not carrying a repair kit. I, uh, you know, we just had the bear and at, at our prep call, you're like, what are you taking with you on the race? And like well i'm i mean i have an empty bottle because i'm gonna drain it at the start line and i think you were kind of trying to encourage me to not carry a flat kit but i did not because i was like oh if i get a flat it'll save my race i just didn't want to walk back (laughs) (laughs) um i i remember so it was halloween weekend this is many years ago now and i was racing cyclocross so it would have been pre Laruda because once I started doing Laruda, 18, I stopped doing cyclocross because right, I was still training on the mountain bike right, yeah. into the fall. Yep. So I'm doing cyclocross and it's Halloween and I've moved up. I'm in the open field now. Um, and it's Halloween weekend. So like I went in full costume, you know, yeah. um, I made it like. It's pretty common for, for cyclocross on yeah, Halloween weekend. Like that's kind of the deal. Except for the race that I was in, everyone <laughs> taking it. Crazy series because well, it was like a one point five x points for the without limit series and, right. and everyone's like oh so I'm the only there's like forty six dudes right I'm the only guy in a costume now I didn't go you know I didn't have like a gigantic I didn't like have a like, bunny suit right I wasn't in like a minion or something like that right. but I was a werewolf because I was a werewolf that year prior or whatever so I was a werewolf so I had like you know a Henley on. And these like badass, they're like $150 gloves from Wizard's Chest. Like these badass oh, like wolf, werewolf gloves that I, I had, you know, I had all my fingers and my usages. But I mean, I painted my face. I put on like the ears. Like I had all the stuff. No one's in costume, <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm ripping through. The race is going to start. And I'm looking around. I'm like kind of, you know, I still have my ego. And I'm like, you know, all you guys. Now, granted, I was getting my ass kicked. Like I was, I had won the state championship, I think, for Cat Four uh-huh. the year before, and now I'm getting my ass kicked in these th- in the opens. And um, no one's in costume. Like, Man, you know, forget these guys, dude. I'm gonna kick all these guys' asses. Well, I end up with a mechanical on like the first lap, and I think I threw my bike into the weeds, and it just stomped off to the truck. I eventually went back and got the bike, right. <laughs> but like. <laughs> In cyclocross, you don't carry a flat kit. Yeah. When you're in full costume and no one else is, and you have a mechanical, you don't even carry your bike back. You yeah, just, just like, you just try to be a dude. Actually, I tried to be a wolf. Yeah, I just tried to stalk in the <laughs> just trees. Tried to like slink into the <laughs> yeah. trees. Get me out of here. <clears throat> All right, let's jump into this Trans Andes thing. This race. So, what is it about Central and South America that every hill is so fucking steep? Dude, you they, guys did crazy elevation. Over short distances. It was wild, dude. Thousands and thousands of feet of elevation. And the first two days were like around a 20-mile mark total. Mm-hmm. Day uh, four was around a 20-mile mark. Day five, the last day, was like 17-mile race. Yeah. Um, we did have a big day, the Queen the stage. Queen stage was like 65 miles. Yeah, right? it, was, it, was like it was 100K. K. It was nice. Um but the numbers were just insane. The climbs are well, and I, I, here you go. Um, I'll take you back to your elementary school science class. 
right? Uh, the climbs are so steep uh, because we're going up a freaking volcano, bro. Right. Like you're not riding up mountains and hills and foothills and like all the Appalachians you're just at the bottom of a volcano, and you're going to the, go top, to the top of a volcano. <laughs> And then you're going to come back down said volcano. Right. Like, that's how it works. And so volcanoes are steep. Right. Um, you've seen them, the, yeah. the models. Yeah, yeah. Um, They look like that in real life. They look, <laughs> as a matter of fact, they look exactly like that in real life. <laughs> and I have been really fortunate because in the last, like, seven, six months, I have been in two different type, two different volcano areas. I was in Guatemala in November on just a trip with Abby. Right. And... uh we were in volcanoes and this volcano would go off. It was going off like every 15 minutes for the morning hours. So if you're like, I want to see a volcano explode. Oh, just look over there. It was, it's there. it'll happen. Mind blowing. And then the volcano and outside of Pucón, Chile, there's a few of them. And the one I'm looking at as I'm getting a massage every day after the race, which is awesome, by the way, uh, is steaming. It's a steaming volcano. And just I'm like, this is yeah. crazy, you know? Um, so the 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 race, just to kind of bring it into focus a little bit, the the race was all based out of one area, Pucon uh, Green Park Hotel, Pucon. So which is again, we've talked about this, not typical of stage races. No, they usually travel like a point to point, um, and there's all the logistics of packing up a bag and moving to the next place, moving because how many places have, you know, five days worth of racing out of one location without just doing the same thing over and over and over. I mean, you hear uh, Mike Mack from Breck Epic even talk about how he wants to change the course up, but, like, how do you do it? Like, the the six days of Breck Epic, like, you're kind of exhausting the trail system there, so. Right. You you would be in, you know, and he, he talked about that briefly, right? Like, shuttling out to Montezuma in A Basin or something like that. Right. But, now you're talking about the logistics of shuttling all the bikes and the riders all and the people the, and the, the I mean, whole it's, show. It, it sounds like a good idea, and then you try to put it together, and you realize how much harder it is. Well, as the person who's riding the bike, you want to be excited about it, but then as the person who then has to do all the other shit surrounding riding the bike, you're like, yeah. "Nah, fuck that." Yeah, and then do you get to say like, "Oh, by the way, guys, the cost for this year's race is 120 dollars more than last year because of the buses. added, yeah. yeah, the added logistic." No, and so. Uh, yeah, it would be tough. So this so this anyway. location was amazing. So yeah. um, it's Pucón Green Park Hotel. Uh, everything was there: breakfast buffets and lunch buffets and dinner buffets. And the staff was amazing. And so you have this amazing, beautiful location. And days one, two, four, and five, you literally pedaled from from the hotel, like from okay. the start line, right there. Yeah, corralled up in the grass. Um, and I'm sorry, days yeah, days one, two, three, and five. Day four, they did bus us out to a different town to start in a different spot and ride a different trail network. And it took us to this really cool kind of like lost lake sort of idea up in the in the volcanoes and the mountains mm-hmm. of that. And then back down. And and that was cool, but you could see like, yeah, that's a that's a logistic thing. A now. lot. You're riding a bus two hours earlier than you want to. And so, so that's how it was set up. Uh, just to get this out of the way, the people that, that ran it, the, the organizer, the race director, the staff like everyone it was super pro well done yeah you could be concerned sometimes when you're going to you know um a foreign country and especially into like central and south america that you're like is it going to be put together at the same caliber maybe that like the breck epic which is done so well right yep it is it is done it is done well they've been on par with it it's over over 10 year old race right 
Yeah, oh yeah, it, it's so. it's been around for quite a while. So. You don't get there by not doing a good job. Right, they did a great <laughs> job. The other part of it was I had been to Chile once before, and uh, by the way, I say Chile because that's what we say, even though it'd be like Chile, yeah. but I'm not going to say like one word the right way. Yeah, you're fine. You know what I'm saying? Like it's think, a croissant. Like you eat a croissant, I don't yeah. eat a croissant. I don't yeah. like sit there and have a conversation with you. But, oh, by the way, how oh, you want some coffee? Yeah, you want a croissant? Like I don't, that's just not who I am. You're I, Okay. <laughs> So that if you're awful. listening to this and you're getting all like weird about it, okay, get a get a good bowl, get some oyster crackers because we're talking about chili today. <laughs> God damn it. Um, did I just go like, back to like that was that was a I go there yeah it's all good you can have to edit that out no yeah let it go no uh, they did a fantastic job it was it was really well done and so um, Chile is the second wealthiest country in South America. And their, uh, like the average income is not too different, too dissimilar from the United States. Okay. So in terms of like costs and things, they were all pretty much like on par with the U.S. Um, But that also meant like the infrastructure, the cleanliness of the place, the security and safety, like all that stuff was was top tier, dude. It was good. So I watched some of uh, Sid Mackey's content from it. And yeah, the hotel looked amazing. Like... Dude, and Sid, Sid Mackey did a great job capturing, you know, they race with chesties every day and then they're Dude. doing all kinds of footage throughout the venue. Like if you want to know what the race is like, you can listen to my dumb voice and my story. <laughs> or you can actually watch it. Or you just go watch <laughs> Sid Mackey stuff yeah. on YouTube, which is awesome. And the fact that they race, I mean, just a, a quick little kudos to them. I, I've, I've consistently been pretty impressed that they're able to race like pretty competitive in their field. I mean, shit, they I mean, won their fields. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still managed to like be engaged for the people watching the videos right like that i don't know how you do that you know it's so mackie was also at moab rocks uh-huh. and uh by the way those two are awesome like i'm ca- they are they're like they're legit friends yeah. you know like hit them up sort of cool friends now right. and um anyway they they he competed at Moab Rocks like highly competitive. I mean, he was like sixth or fifth or sixth or something overall. Like they race super competitively, and there were two things about that. What you're bringing up that I thought were weird. One, how uncomfortable would it be? Like I don't like to carry an extra anything. Like, like an I want extra one, anything. One CO two is one CO two enough? I don't know if I want to carry a second CO two. Right. And they're like strapping cameras on their chest with extra with batteries. Batteries, SD cards. So I. Uh, I actually finally got the new chesties. Yeah. I got a couple of them for the Las Vegas camp a couple uh-huh. weeks back. And Brian and I both wore them and we took footage of everybody. And wow, they're like super comfortable. Do like, you have the one with like the padded? Yeah, it's yep, padded and like breathable straps. Yep. I was actually, I wore it for all three days and I'm like, this is not a problem at, at all. all. Yeah. Um, again, not taking anything away because they do have to be aware of it. And I think that at times it would be really tough to be aware of the audience with you right but i think at other times it would be a real big like boon to your you know when i do those follow-along videos for no rider on youtube yeah when i'm doing that ride that's my best training ride of the week because i know and now i know this isn't true but millions of people right are watching this in your brain yeah yeah in my brain i gotta clear that section don't mess up here don't drop speed there was that the right course so I think it, as much as they do have to navigate it, it probably gives them a, quite a bit of yeah. a lift when they need a lift. Well, and, and, you know, watching the guy that Mackie was racing super hard against 
that I don't I think his name was like Federico or something yeah. like that. I mean, Mackey's a I mean, he's a top tier pro racer, right? Like he's a badass. And this kid this guy was just dusting him on the climbs because all those they're just used to going up that shit. Dude, they just go so um now that guy didn't have shit for him on the downhills. And oh I, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like I think that's one like you lean into that as a strength of yours. Like, hey, if the downhill's long enough, I don't care what you do on the climb, I got you. Yeah. And uh but and yeah. that's where that's what you know, and that was his whole race strategy. Yeah. Um Mackey can just send it on the down. So they were pro enduro before Well, he was pro XC. Right. And then for like seven years, and that's where he got his pro license. And then he went to Enduro mm-hmm. and then now back to XC and Endurance. Yep. And so he's got kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, and well, like, it's a pretty common thread that like a percentage of the XC race community, Endurance race community are super strong, but aren't amazing bike handlers. Right. Like, not all of them, not even a big percentage of them, but a percentage. Well, and that's that goes to the type of races that we have. You know, I think one of the coolest things being done right now is some harmony within the how do we determine who's the strongest. And I think Lifetime is actually doing a really good job with the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they are they're missing, I think, the essence of mountain biking that gets most of us riders excited, which is Mountain biking. Yeah. And so when the Grand Prix's got so much gravel and kind of more tame mountain bike courses, uh, it loses a little bit of that spirit, which is, it, again, I go back to, I think the NUE is like a mountain bikers race series. And I love that yeah. for that reason, because you better learn how to, and know how to handle your bike. Um, I was on training ride yesterday with Rick and, you know, Rick's, quite a bit longer in the tooth than I am. So sometimes I'll bring a handicap with me. And so I brought my 160 bike mm-hmm. and it that, was, I'm pedaling the 160 bike behind him and I'm in my granny gear cause he's in his granny gear and we're just, we're just chilling. Yep. But then we get to trail and I was like, the bike makes no noise. The tires, like they literally grab the, the dirt was like low me for a one day yeah. for whatever reason. Like the tires grab the dirt, it squishes, it leans. It, it's just so it's the bike in the back of my car right now that I'm going to go ride today. Right. And I'm like, golly, yeah, mountain biking. And sometimes we're just doing so much. You know, last week in my hard effort was on a hardtail, on my Norco hardtail. Like I, I'm not that bike punishing on, myself. When we went and did the uh, the group ride, I, I saw that bike of all the bikes that you picked, and I was very confused. But, yeah, because I'm like, oh, I'm going to Buff Creek. Let me take a hammer. Let me take a hardtail. Yeah. Let me, you yeah, know. Yeah. So anyway, huge digression right there. Yeah. Um, so the Trans Andes, five-day stage race in Pucón, Chile. Where is Pucón, Chile? I want you to draw your finger down as far as you can on the map, that big blob of earth that's beneath America, and keep dragging it and dragging it until almost, until almost you run out of draggable space. And that's where we were. And it takes forever to yeah. get there. And like, you, you had an ordeal, too. Oh, an ordeal? I had such good highs... <laughs> In some wild lows, <laughs> I ended up at the start line, so I'm not going to spend the whole podcast talking about this, but I'll, I'll just tell you the highs and the lows, okay? The high, Elander and I meet up in Fort Lauderdale because he flew from Denver and I flew from Phoenix. Right. Okay? And boom, we meet in Fort Lauderdale. Bop man, at the same time. What's up, dude? Hey, man, what's up? All right, cool. Dude, we got a five and a half hour layover. Let's get out of here. Go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. 
So, and this is typical for me when I when I have these long layovers in Fort Lauderdale. So we go to the beach. It just so happened that it was the first Saturday of spring break. Oh God. Oh, it was amazing. And I just I know I, I know what that makes me sound like right now. And listen, I called my wife, guys. I FaceTimed her. So I'm not I'm not like some dirtbag scumbag. I mean, you are a dirtbag scumbag. But, I mean, I don't even care. But, but you're a transparent dirtbag. Transparent, bag. yeah. Ain't no secrets. I kept my ring on. I love my wife. Never going to play with that. But, dude, spring break. You know what it is? I just, I was shit-eating, smiling. Like, man, I remember when I was, like, in college doing this was crazy. Right. And then I'm watching Brian just, like, eyeball. Oh, like, he, bing, he bing, doesn't bing, know bing, what bing. to do. No, they're just <laughs> left. The guy, the poor kid threw his neck out. Like, we had to go get a Cairo. Uh and it's so funny because I knew what we were doing. He knew what we were doing too. Right, but he didn't really. But he like didn't plan put it together, right? So I go there and I find a little like somewhat secluded part of a area, and I strip down and put my board shorts on, and I go. I get in the ocean, man. So we're on that layover in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm in, I'm literally in the ocean. I'm like I'm in the ocean. I got my flippy flops. Like I'm having a great day, and. uh and I look over, and Brian's got like a sweatshirt and sweatpants on, just sweating, just melting in like the Florida sun. <laughs> I was like, dude. Uh, so that was the high. Yeah. It was so good. We get back to the airport, whatever, we get our next flight, whatever. Fast forward, it's midnight in Lima, Peru, and the flight's oversold. I get to the counter two hours before the flight. To check in because we had a the way we booked our flight, we couldn't pre check in for that flight, but we we had our seat, you know. So I go to check in and they're like, Oh, yeah, this flight's oversold. Um, you're on the standby list. I'm like, I don't know how I'm on the standby list. I've had this flight booked for like a month, a long time, you know. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you weren't able to check in, blah blah, blah whatever, but we'll, we'll probably get you on the flight. So I don't leave the counter. Like, I'm just like, you know, I'm posting up. I'm not leaving. Because if I don't leave the counter, I'm not being a jerk, but I'm also like six foot one and 180. Like, you can't ignore me. I'm going to stand in front of you. And, uh, you know, we get to the two hours. Brian shows back up. He's second on the list. And then this guy ends up showing up, um, a Chilean dude, and he's third on the list. And, you know, it gets the time to get on the on the plane, and they get us on these buses. The buses take you to the tarmac, and the tarmac up to the plane is kind of weird. And so we're out there. Uh, it's an Avianca flight, and we're, we're waiting to get on the plane, and she goes, let everybody get loaded. And she walks us up the stairs, and we're at the gate, like, or the door of the plane. Like, we're on the, on the door of the plane. I have two seats, and there's three of us. And I look at the dude, and I'm like, hey, man, like, we're flying together. We're, like, we're, we're the same party. We're going to this bike race. Also, I'm ahead of you. And, and like one and two, and then you were three. And the guy goes, well, I got to get to work. And I'm like, I mean, you have a beautiful capture of the language as being a Chilean. It's going to be a little harder for us to navigate this. We are traveling together. There's two seats. There's two of us. I mean, the writing's really on the wall here, dude. I have to get to work. And he barges past the lady and gets on the plane. And I just look, and I'm like, that guy, you know what, buddy? I hope you get a case of hemorrhoids. Uh-huh. Like, that was where I went. Yeah. Like I was like, how could you be that just dispassionate of a yeah. person? Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like everything's pointing to you taking your happy ass off the stairs. So then I look at Brian and I'm like, well, now there's just one seat. And I'm looking at Brian and I'm like, I just drop, like- <laughs> I just dropped my head and turn and he doesn't feel good about it, right? No. But- I just dropped my head. I turn around, I walk down the stairs. I, I carry my Linus blanket up onto the bus <laughs> and I wait for them to take me back. And it started off what became this wild ordeal 
ended up taking me 33 some odd hours to get to the finally get to the hotel. Right. Um, I got like an hour and a half of sleep in that Lima Peru airport that night. It was just, it was, it was just a well, wild mess. So the that, high in that scenario, one of the two of you was properly equipped to deal with not getting on that flight. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it, <laughs> and it's it, not to take anything away from Elander, but you just have more experience totally. in navigating. Yeah. International fucked up flights, right? Totally. Like, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, plus, like, not to not. You know, not to put the badge on here, but I'm also the captain of the team. Yep. You're a yeah. captain of the team. Yeah. The two of us are captains of teams. When we go to something yeah. and crap hits the fan, who eats it? Yep. That's which what happens. Yep. yep. So, 100%. <laughs> so, uh. so I walk. So the, the high was definitely like eating fresh fruit and trolling. <laughs> like hanging out on the beach. beach. <laughs> dope. And uh, the low was trying to curl up in the Lima Peru airport in like a single seat while charging my phone. But falling asleep and not wanting my phone to get jacked. At but the same yeah, like time. trying to not get mugged. Yeah, like it was just a whole deal. Um, but we got to the race, and you know the the funny thing is, which is why one of our ethos, which is why we're called a ride around. But another ethos is always go to the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to the venue, finally, like it's all it's all good, dude. Like I'm here, and so by the time I showed up that next night late, Amir comes out and he wants to have, a, hey man, welcome, and I was like. Yeah, dude, that's cool. Um, I, I really just need to go to bed, dude. Like, I, I appreciate the excitement, my man. Right. But uh, where's the bed? I need to get into it. Well, some people just exist in different realities, right? Well, and he had his own travel ordeal. Right. So, it, but but him and Brian had had the whole day hanging out, right. riding around town, this and Chill that. Out. Yeah, yeah. So I get into the room, and um, there's three beds. We all share a room, right? There's three full size beds, and. I think I sent a text at one point. I go, guys, all I know is I better get the best bed, right? Well, there's three full-size beds. What do these guys do? They give me the one right in the middle. I get the middle bed, and I look at these guys, and Amir goes, hey, man, before you fall asleep, just to let you know, um, I don't know what happened with the airlines, but they broke your Evoc bag also. One of the wheels broke off. <laughs> so I'm already foreshadowing, like, going back through that Lima Peru airport with, a, with one with wheel. With a flat tire. Yeah, just dragging the plastic through it, and I'm just like, you know what, man? I don't even care. I just, need to, to I just need to sleep and then race. Yeah, like, everything will be right once the number I'll plate is on. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. You know, yeah. the next day we had a prep day, and um, we got to see everybody and, and, and meet a lot of people, and, and that kind of kicked off, like, okay, what do we have going on? And this is also the first kind of the step in this direction for me for stage racing, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is, you know, I've done some for sure, but this is what the year is about, right? And uh, I got the national champion jersey on, you know, I'm representing like what we stand for as a team. And so anyhow, um, I felt like there was a lot on the race, but there was enough chaos that went into it that it did eliminate some of the pressure. I was like, you know what, man? I don't even know, dude. I'm just gonna go out there and ride this shit as hard as I can. I got a new bike. It's a sweet new bike. I got teammates here. This is super cool. You know, like the three no rider on jerseys. Oh, they uh, popped every they, time. Dude, and like in terms of how many other teams had a lot of representation, you know, one or two here, one or two there, but us all being fast and being together, it definitely made impact. It was really cool yeah. to be a part of it. So um, let's get to stage racing, right? Yeah. The terrain looked, to me, and again, this is going off of the Trans Andes content. This is going off of the YouTube content from Sid Mackey. Uh, it looked predominantly like mostly fire road climbs and then like volcanic rock, sand, plateaus, and then 
burly ass descents. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> like, so the first two days existed on volcanoes that also have purpose built and um, shuttle access downhill mountain biking. Mm-hmm. So while many, many people may shuttle up those roads, like those are the roads we rode up, right? right. And so super steep, right up. I mean, it's like going up a ski hill. It, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Pucón and Chile, those are ski resorts okay. also. So it's like going up a ski hill um, and you go straight up it and then straight down it. Yeah, the, the descents looked like you wanted your 160 bike. I will tell you what, the Allied got everything it could handle. Yeah. I used all the 120. Yeah. Um, and I was glad I had what I had on it. I had the recon, I had recon two like, fours like front rear. Big ish tires. You know, um, and full send mode because to your point, you know, these guys, they were faster uphill. Yeah. Like the top guys are faster than me uphill, but yeah. I'm faster than them downhill. That's why I'm able to stay in like that top 15 range and in the top four of the elites because. I can send it down, which means you have to send it down. So there was no taking it easy right? or or picking the right line. But I'll tell you this. Volcanic sand is the coolest trail surface I've ever ridden on. It looked like almost like Velcro-ish. Yeah, you don't. So just in general, I've always porous, hated. it's porous rock, right? Right. And, uh, I've always hated riding in sand. Right. The Baja Divide fixed that. Now I come to sand. Like, I don't care. No big deal. Like yeah. at Moab Rocks, we went through sand. I'm like, yeah, what? You just shift down a little bit and you pedal fast. Like yeah. it's sand. So what? Probably get a taco at the end of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can't wait for the taco. Volcanic sand is a pendulum swing the opposite way. It is amazing, dude. Yeah. It grips so hard. Right. And it, in a way that you're right, it's a bunch of tiny, think of like tiny little super grippy, like Moab Rock grippy uh-huh. tons of super little grippy rocks that you can push around and move around at will it is awesome and uh i think i, I guess the main thing i hate about the thing i know that you hate about sand also this sand never stuck to you yeah so it didn't stick to your drivetrain chain to your shoes socks what like it yeah. just doesn't stick to you it was unlike anything i've ever ridden on it's the coolest stuff ever dude huh it was awesome now we did deal with a lot of, you know, there's a lot of moisture. Yeah. So we had rain um, for sure for like three of the days. Yeah. We had rain. And so I think that rain probably helped tamp down what the dry effects of it are yeah. like. And so I don't, I can't speak to Couldn't that. Couldn't tell but, you what it's like. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. All I know is it went up pretty straightforward. You're riding really fast, really hard. I was at threshold or above threshold the entire time going uphill. And then I didn't really change a whole lot with my heart rate. Um, because then I had to drive and pin it downhill, and it was puckery, like you said. I mean, drops and roots and rocks and big things, and, and then wet on top and, of it, and wet and like it was. Yeah, it's it's a deal. So day one, I got done, and Elander still at the finish line. I was only I, I was just a couple minutes, a few minutes behind him, and we both end and we're still we're just laughing because it was like we what did we just do? We just went up a volcano mm-hmm. fire road. And then ripped down this sick, gnarly trail. And that day's route was two laps of that. Yeah. So we got two laps of what, at that point, I'm like, was that the best downhill I've ever done in my life? That was, you lapped the bike park, right? We lapped the bike park. Right. And I was like, that might be the best descent I have ever done. And Brian's like, I think that's the best descent I've ever done. Like, <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, this was all the way worth it. Like, yeah. all the travel, the headache. Right. It's always nice when you get whatever. that, like, you get... You, 
you get that that payoff moment you're like the the we're we're even now and everything else after this is bonus right like universe we we caught up yeah the books are clear and anything after this is just like total bonus money it was so good um it was so good and the fact that it was they are shorter races means we got tons of time so amir wasn't uh too far we were waiting a little bit and then we started to get a little cold because we were wet so brian and i ride back to the hotel and this became standard for the stage race which you know we have a no rider on rule you wait at the finish line um in exclusion to that is stage in stage racing because there's a lot of you got to get on the recovery right so if you don't have a soigneur and a team mechanic and a personal chef you got a lot of shit you got to do to get ready for the next day. So so with that, we go, it's all good. And every night they do awards and sort of together as a team. And so that became like, all right, here's the rule for stage races. Yeah. And so Which we kind of established at Breck Epic last year. We did. We did that at Breck Epic. You know, when we didn't do it, we didn't do it at LaRuda. And I think that kind of like brought it alight a little bit because yeah. you, know, you have somebody like Elander and myself maybe finishing. And then I you mean, have Derek yeah. or Who's you guys like, finishing. Yeah. And you're well, like, yeah. It's good. I want to be here as a team, but like there was for some of those days, it might have been like hours gap. I mean, day one of Laruda, I, I, in addition to having the hardest day of my entire life, um, in the back of my mind, I knew that every minute that I was on course, that I was directly impacting y'all's ability to get ready for the next day. Like it wasn't front and center, right, right, right. But like it was there. Yeah, and so the new no rider on format, you just don't have stage racing. You just you meet back up at the day's end to the podium. Yeah. So. Uh, so we get back and it became a cool system. So Brian and I would finish, we would get back, we would take, um, we would, you know, alternate shower use. And then by the time we're dried up and feeling pretty good, Amir rolls back, he gets a shower and then we all go eat together. Like right. it was like kind of this cool rhythm. So that's what happened day one. Um, Amir ended up with a broken chain, like, I don't know, a mile and a half from the finish line or something like that. And, uh, but we got into a rhythm. Yeah, and because the day is short, we had then all afternoon to go do stuff, eat food, check out the town if we wanted to. You know, we got massages every day at four p.m. Mm-hmm. So every day we had uh, hour long massages, which yeah, was that's amazing. I mean, like, look, no one here listening to this podcast or that shops in this store is one hundred seventy five dollars away from like not making rent <laughs> or your mortgage. Right. Go so get a massage, pay for the massage pack right. if you. One here. Here's the first carrot to pull out of this little podcast, right? If you're doing a stage race, pay for the massage package. Period. No questions about it. It I, is so good. I think you just pay for whatever packages exist. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to step on your story, but I think this podcast can or this episode can kind of speak to a larger, like, you're doing a ton of stage racing this year lessons to be had from that and there's when how much and you don't have to say but like this is a multi-thousand dollar experience right between travel and lodging and race registration and 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 yeah, and. yeah don't skimp on the 150 dollar add-on bonus 150 dollars you're like shut up so much more manageable yeah. you know and and like I, I almost stood on principle with Laruda and was like, I'm a, I'm a mechanic. I'm not paying. Yeah. You're goddamn right. I'm paying for a mechanic. <laughs> now some of these races do get a little crazy. So right now we have Amir and Brad Cobb. Um, Brad Cobb honorary no ride around. They'll be riding the jersey a couple of days at Four Islands Croatia right now. Okay. They're there right now. They just finished up day two today. 
And uh, there was options there. So there are there's lodging that you can stay in what they call they call it camping, but it's like in auditoriums or gymnasiums right. or things like that. Or you can um, stay on the boat. Or you can stay on yachts. Which that's what I'm doing so next year. They're on yachts. Yeah. That's okay. 100% it's not a I'm boat. Doing. Okay. You have to use the word yacht because okay. it really classes this shit. <laughs> really out. like okay. But down. it comes with like there's commas in the price. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. like um so that's where some of them, you know, same with Cape Epic. Like yeah. you can do hotels or mm-hmm. you can do the camping. So yeah. There are some options that you know budget pe- people that are budget conscious can have to pay attention to. Yeah. But look, dude, when it comes to self care, yeah. don't cheat. Self care, bite care, food. Yeah, don't cheat. So yeah. day one's awesome. We do the awards. Elander's first in his in the age group nineteen age group. to twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Amir second in men's masters. Um, Mackie took the win and, and just Mackie ended up winning the whole event and he won four of the five stages or three of the five stages outright. Um, and I ended up, you know, I did well. The elite field, people got confused by this. Not everyone races as a pro, right? right. And there's going to be a lot of Chileans that are fast as crap that, you know, either live there or train there, know there, or whatever. Like there's going to be people but that they're gonna race are not group. pro in their age group right. and they beat me. So, right. yes, yeah, that's got, what I, yeah. you were saying 15th, but fourth overall. I was like, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, like you always, you're always putting up what your category is, right? Right. So, but, I but also, really, you care where do you land in the pro men's category? Right. That's, that's what, really what matters. Yeah. Like when we talk about a race, like your your race record for the year, you're putting your place for your category, right? More than the overalls. Now, I've always liked to pin the overall because, you know, I was usually first place single speed, and I'm always third overall, yeah. eighth yeah. overall, sixth overall. So I tend to put it there. But anyway, day one, two hour. Hammerfest. Day two, two-hour Hammerfest. What's the difference? There's just a different volcano. Yeah. We still went up a volcano right. on the roads, and we went down the volcano on trail. And then, again, so we get to day two, and, you know, how does stage racing work? Like, yes, you're tired. Yes, you're sore. But you ingest so many calories yeah. that you actually can do it. So the goal, say I had to go out and I do a two-hour Two two and a half hour hammer fest, right? I'm gonna burn a couple thousand, like a, like twenty five hundred, three thousand calories. I'm gonna put all those calories back in, and I'm gonna put in the calories to load for the next day. Right. So that's why you're eating so much because yeah. you're not just repairing to get by. You're repairing and then needing to recharge and rebuild and load and preload for the next day. Yeah. So that's why you're eating so much. So you actually feel pretty good. The energy systems t- at times can get taxed um, on these multiple day efforts, but if you're eating a lot and you're sleeping a lot and you're drinking a lot, you're fine. You can do it. And so that's just a huge that's a huge mind warp for some people to understand. But look at the numbers, right? Yeah. If your heart rate can get back up yeah. and your power numbers can get back up, I guess you're fine. That was the biggest this year at Breck Epic, the biggest thing for me was realizing that once I got past the first 20 minutes of pedaling, it didn't feel any different than being fresh. Right. It's just coaxing that, like getting over the mental hurdle of, yeah, I rode 7,000 feet and 36 miles yesterday and I got to do it again today. Like take all reason and logic out and just feed yourself sleep and then warm up and you'll be fine. Yeah. And And that's what, you know, and that's what is really kind of the learning lessons of the stage race thing. Like actually you can do a lot more. Just keep going. Wow. It's pretty amazing what you can do. Right. Let's get to day two. 
And my race strategy is always the same, right? I'm going to take off as hard as I can, and I'm going to go until that flame burns. Right, right. All right, and uh, day two was sweet because we did get a ton of rain, and uh, but we get up, and the descent, because it rained all night, and it, we started in the rain, right? What was a trail became a freaking river down the right. side of the volcano. Yeah. Dude, it was unbelievable. It was so freaking cool because, again, I, I've pointed this out so many times. I love inclement conditions because it pulls out like the perfect racer, right? Right. And now you're like, dude, I don't know. Figure, let's go, adventure boy. Yeah. Like, let's go. And so, dude, we get to the descent, and I'm pretty high up in the field, you know? But we get to the descent, and I made even more. I ended up, I think I was like 11th or something on the day. I got to send it down. This river, dude, I did stuff. Bentonville's going to be calling me when they get this bike back, when they're looking at this. And they go, what did you do? I sent it down a river, down the side of a volcano. And because these guys are like 50 pounds lighter than me, I had to go so much faster downhill to make up all my time. Dude, I was launching off. I did like a six-foot huck off of a log into like this river puddle thing and kept sending it. Like, dude, I was <laughs> smashing and clanging and banging and just rolling down this river. It was, if day one was cool, day two was like the cool with the crazy psycho fishtailing experience on top of it. Badass descent. Right. When I finally came out of it, I thought we were done. Right? Because what they do with these races is we would start from the, like I said, from the hotel and it's a controlled start out and they have a flag up and then as soon as the flag drops, you know that the race starts. Well, they don't drop the flag until you're out of the city proper area or, you know, areas where there are cars and, sh- and stuff, you know? So we end up, um, we end up finishing the races, but having to retrace our ra- route back ride to the hotel, back in, yeah. they don't want you racing through town, right. right? So anyway, the issue is now the race is maybe, maybe they're 12 miles of uphill or 13 miles of uphill, undulating uphill, whatever it may be but only like seven miles of downhill because they stop it then before you get into the city, right? So now, what does that tell me? I got to go even harder on the descents because I have a shorter amount of time to do it. You don't have an equal amount of time. So I got to push to the finish line. So I'm day two, I'm pushing to the finish line, dude. And I'm like, I'm looking down at my pedals and I'm on a descent. Like it's mellowing out to road, now dirt road. And I'm like, so the finish line's got to be coming. I'm throwing 400, 450, 500 watts at the pedals and just sending it, dude. Passing people still. Where the hell's the finish line? Still no finish line. I didn't do a great job of following all of the racer meetings because they're all in Spanish. Right. And if they asked us, they would do little quick recaps in English for us afterwards. But you're never going to get the nuances of all of it. And so it's this run out of rolling undulating hills for like – four and a half miles and I'm crushing myself and then I'm really starting to run out of that flame. Right. Um, I ended up finishing the day. It was so fun. Had a little sprint finish at the end and then back to the hotel. And I go, wow, like riding on volcanoes, stage racing. This is sweet, but boy, these guys are fast uphill. Yeah. And like, this hurts. It is painful. Yeah. I was looking forward to day three. It was a queen stage, hundred kilometer, big day. 100K with like 9,000 feet of climbing, though, is, well, it's a monster. Yeah. 
You know, it's it's the silver rush with steeper steeps. Right. In unknown and not, stuff. And not much more mileage to flatten those steeps out. Dude, it was nuts. It was amazing, but dude, it was nuts. We went over a suspended cable bridge, and I was dude. at a pace line of seven dudes, and the second guy <laughs> blows up. He grabs a handlebar and blows up on the suspension bridge. Carnage on a on bridge, bridge over a river suspended by cables. Carnage. It was just like, there was just, you know, I have stories for days, like right. the stuff that we went through. Like we rode, the stuff we rode down, I was like, when did they build this trail? Like yesterday? And it, because we got so remote and we got so out there, the challenges were huge. Um, that day broke so many people. The race director admitted they were trying that stage. It was their first year on that stage. Uh, 35% of people didn't finish the stage. Yeah. They got cut. So they had to deal, do a deal with that. That was the queen stage, right? Yeah, I mean it was. That's it a was big, a, I mean that's a hard day to plunk in the middle of other hard days. Yeah, I mean it was. I was out for five and a half hours. Yeah. After two two and a half hours hammers. Yeah. Day four was another two hour hammer. That's when they bust us to this town, and uh, and that was. I mean that was a day that was. Actually, all the climbing was done on this gnarly single track, and all the descending was on gravel roads. So it was like not what you expected. Yeah, kind of inverse. Right? Yeah, so it's just you know. The whole thing, and then finally you get to the day five, and now we're back at where we were at day two, which was wet and like gnarly, but now we're going to get it with like hero-style dirt, and it's going to be one climb and one descent, and it's for all the marbles. Right. And it was a smash fest. Like everyone's just airing out the last that they have. Like, I got whatever I got, I don't want to finish with. It was unreal. I came to the finish line, and I was like 12th on the day, and... You know, so all the at, at a point then there's about twenty of us at the finish line. It's like the basically the top twenty dudes. Yeah. And we're commiserating with one another. There's the hand claps and the hugs and the you know, I still can't speak Spanish very well, yeah. but um I can do bond very well and I bonded <laughs> super well. Right. Um and it kind of bring it brought it all in and I kind of fast tracked those last few days only because the essence of stage racing for me, and especially these international stage races is the training and the approach and all that stuff, that stuff's already done. Like you had to do it in the way you, you prepped for this and odds are you didn't know what you were prepping for. And so as I drove in this morning, we were going to record this episode. The thought I have most prevalent on my mind has to do with some of the stuff I'm studying and reading right now about different stuff with motivation and, and things like that. Things, people doing these like impossible feats and how do you get there? And the, the part I've spent a lot of time on recently is creativity. And one of the things that makes creative minds so much different than like analytical minds is that an analytical mind will see a thing and the brain is conditioned, like our, our neurology is conditioned to stop focusing on anything else once you see the one thing you need to focus on. So like I need food or I need to run for safety or I need to build a shelter or whatever, right? But a creative's mind has the ability to keep the other areas of the brain alive and functioning, even though they're acknowledging, hey, that's probably pretty important, but I don't want to miss all this other stuff that's happening over here, which is why there's this cool thing with creativity that says um, bend, break, blend, which is bend the way you see the world, break the preconceived notions and the thought patterns that you have, and then blend into like a new solution, a thing that's out of the box, a thing that hasn't been seen before. And that's kind of the path to creativity. 
In creative minds, they do this all the time. In people who don't have creative minds, it sounds like Mandarin Chinese. Right, right. right. That's what I found at TransAndes. I found my version of creativity within the sport of mountain biking. I'm super strong. Sure, I'm super fast. Yeah, sure, I know a lot of crap. Uh Uh-huh, whatever. Sure, I have like some specially formulated sports nutrition to drink at certain intervals. Yeah, okay, whatever. All that stuff aside, all that stuff to focus on like in the here and now, I got to like take advantage of that just being stable and then opening up all these other experiences and say, what is going to happen out here? What creativity am I going to experience I'm riding on a volcano. Remember, I'm a dude from Iowa, right? I'm riding on a volcano. Right. With my buddies yeah. from the States. So there's three of us down here. Yeah. I'm riding on a volcano with my buddies as hard as I can on terrain that, yes, is unknown to me, but I've got these skills I do know. Right. How does it all come together to create this thing? That's what it was, man. It was five days of in-your-mouth bike racing on volcanoes, and it was the coolest thing ever, dude. Just absolutely cool. I wish I had more connection to my result so that I could say, I am now motivated to do X. I learned a bunch. I learned where my pitfalls are in my training. I came back and I started, I've already started applying new training modalities to be better and stronger at the style of a stage race. Um, so I'm, I'm in that process, but going out and just opening up your vision laterally is really cool. And that's what TransAndes did for me, and I, I freaking freaking loved it, dude. Heck so yeah, cool. man. Um, well, what's next? Is Trans Alp is the next big one? Trans Alps is the next like real big. It's the next stage race. Is it seven days? It's seven days. That's that amount, dude. And it's um, the one thing I'm excited about is that it's not as it looks. They aren't twenty mile hammers, right? It looks like it's about seven like three to six hour, four to six hour efforts in a row, which plays to me a little stronger. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like e- even if something's your strength, your wheelhouse, it's still it's hard. gonna be the hardest thing I've ever done. Well in mountain bike like it's as hard like it's choose your own adventure, right? Like it's as hard as you want to press on the pedals. Right. And if you're out there it, back to what you said, if you're investing that much to get there it better be as hard as you've ever pressed on You're going to press on them pretty hard. <laughs> so, uh, so that, yeah, that's the next big one. Um, you know, we started this podcast. You brought up that I'm pivoting a little bit. Don't get it twisted. I came back from TransAndes, and I was like, that was awesome. Um, wow, but like, you know, front page of results. Heck of a goal there, Justin. <laughs> I did I did sign up for a single speed race. <laughs> I, just, I just need to stand on the top step. <laughs> I did sign up. I was like, you know. One of the reasons I'm able to do all this stuff yeah. is because I also have this, you know, I, I have the confidence that I can do it. And it's not that I lost that, but I was like, you know, a nice little, a nice little lift to that confidence isn't going to yeah. be a terrible idea. Yeah. So uh, I did sign up for a couple of single speed races just for some good, strong flexes. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. But uh, yeah, Trans Alps is the next big one. Um, I It's not the next international one, but it is the next big one. Yeah. And uh, maybe the next time we talk, I will have a, hopefully similar sort of, wow, that was really cool as I get back from Spain. Well, and, and I think I want, I think one of the cool things to do, and this wasn't the episode for it because it's, it felt like even though it was a race and even though it was, I mean, you and Mackie have raced single speed nationals against each other before and had a similar positioning. Um, right. And 
there's a part of me that wanted to kind of dig into like, okay, on the heels of racing somebody that you've raced before and, um, who I'm sorry to say it this way, but who's beaten you before? Yeah, like how, sure. how do you pivot and like peel back some of the layers of what you would do and what your lessons were? But I don't think this was the episode for that. Yeah, uh, no, I, and I did have them like yeah. for sure. I mean, I tell you what, one of the things and we, you touched on it when you are, two, three, four days into a stage race and you're like, man, I, I don't, I can't do it. You need to find a way to do it. Yeah. And it's hard to simulate that in your training unless you have the luxury to take many, many hours, many days in a row. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the quick little hacks is doing really heavy squats and deadlifts. And then within an hour and a half or two hours, then go do your threshold training ride. Right. Well, how are you supposed to do that, man? Today was leg strength day. Yeah, go tear them down yeah. at a base level because that's what weight training does, right? It, it it shortens the distance from fresh muscle to torn muscle, which is what a big day on the bike will do. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but you still have to go ride at threshold. And you still have to get your muscles to do it. Yeah, and you got to get your muscles to do it. So, you know, that's one of the things I added where I never would have thought to do that. Um, so, Well, maybe that'll be the next episode. Sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah. thanks for coming to Chile with me. It was freaking awesome. Yep. The trip back was a lot easier than the trip there. Yep. Yep. As it goes. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for this one. Thanks for checking it out. See you.